It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's put on the optics. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, with me once again is Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Jesse, we had a, a one week break. We do this randomly. We don't even know when we're going to take a break. So it's as much of a surprise to us when we don't see the show pop up in the iTunes podcast timeline as it is for you guys. But one thing that I do want to circle back to, which I hate the phrase circle back. I hate the phrase, let's put a pin in it. We should get rid of both of those, but let's put a pin in that. The Drew Brees finest card that you mentioned on the show. Can you please tell the listeners what took place? Uh, the episode aired, um, when was it? Like 6 a.m. or something on Tuesday, uh, whatever whatever Tuesday it aired. with The, the episode that we talked about the... 2007 finest uh, gold out of 50, Drew Brees, BGS 9.5. Um, I thought it, I thought it was a really nice card. That's one of my favorite years of uh, Top's finest gold refractors I mentioned. Um, it sold within like 12 hours of the show airing. Um, that was not my intention. I don't know the seller. Um, I'm sure the seller was bombarded as fuck with messages and questions and negotiations on ebay um but i'm sure they're they're thankful and happy at the end that they were able to 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 make a sale happen because that card's been up there for months if i was a saints collector or a breeze collector i would have bought it myself um i've catered i've i've far more catered towards my pc as opposed to um profiting although it is nice to profit on my pc um and maybe upgrade my pc so that's kind of been my goal honestly recently um, but it's, you guys are, you guys are savages. I know, I know it was one of our listeners who bought that card. It's like, it's not even a question that, that was not my intention. I just pointed out a card that I, that I really liked and I thought was really nice. Um, but yeah, you guys, you guys are, you guys are incredible for, for buying that up so quickly. Same day that our episode dropped. Well, Jesse, they trust your analysis, right? It's the same day that the episode drops, but you dropped one of your favorite cards that's just kind of looming in the background as we talked about the belief of these quarterbacks reaching some you know, incredible state, entering the Hall of Fame. Uh, obviously, Drew Brees, the, probably the greatest second-round pick ever selected, right? I mean, he's the name that always comes up when people try to support a second-round pick that may flop. I remember hearing Drew Locke. They're like, but what about Drew Brees, as we talked about on the show Get the fuck out of here. That's not happening. Wrong Drew, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wrong, <laughs> wrong Drew. Wrong Drew. That happens. Um, so, Jesse, incredible that we can move the market like that. I mean, it just takes one person, of course. That, I swear to God, that was not my intention. Um, I have, again, I have zero Drew Brees cards. I have nothing to gain from Drew Brees prices going up, and I'm not trying to manipulate any any sort of market. I just pointed out a card that I liked, and that was mm. it. 
So sound, it sounds more suspicious that you had to say that again. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine though. Great card off the list. Guys, we did a whole episode about some of the most prominent quarterbacks that are either currently aged or retired. That was two weeks ago. If you missed it, go back and listen. Um, this show, of course, is growing at a rapid pace. Uh, we can't keep up with it, whether it's because we're entering the fantasy football season or whatever it is, the numbers continue to trend upward. And I love it because I think what's happening is we're getting all the fans of this network that are listening for the fantasy football shows, whether it's Josh Larkey's work, or of course it's Matt Kelly's work. And they're trickling over to the card thing because I think they are realizing that, Hey, not only are we going to do the fantasy analysis built into the show, but why not make a little bit of money as well? It's it's a lot easier, I think, to make money playing cards than it is fantasy football. And I know that because I set 100 fucking lineups today. Head-to-head leagues are the absolute worst, Jesse. Are you in many head-to-head leagues? Uh, 11. I'm in 11. Oh, my God. 100, I can't even fucking imagine. I can't even it's, imagine. When you get to the point where you actually consider hiring an assistant to set your lineups, that's when that's when you know it's problematic. Best ball leagues are the, are the absolute best. I mean, they are the best option out there. Head-to-head leagues suck. The last thing I, I do want to mention on the top here is that you and I have a couple cards that we've purchased in tandem since we started working together. And we recently flipped one again because of Instagram, right? Yeah, we had um I, I had one uh one potential buyer that reached out to me on eBay and I, I asked Nate you know, do you think this is a a decent time to sell this card? I'm honestly open to selling it if you are. You said, Yeah, sure, go go ahead. You sent me a couple pictures of it. Um we've owned this card since like January or February. And um I listed it on, on eBay and uh someone reached out to me. I was just curious if they're if whatever their eBay username was the same as their Instagram handle, and sure enough, it was. So I messaged him back on on Instagram, and I said, you know what? Let's let's talk on here. If you'd be, you know, if you if you'd want like a, a, a bit of a price drop, um, he was definitely interested in the card, and um, you know, just to kind of just to kind of save us both uh, a little bit of money for us and fees, and for him and and just you know, cost in general. And fortunately enough, Nate, it sounds like he was within like a half hour drive from you. Yeah, he he was. I funny enough, I went to go take the card to him, and he's like, "Here, do you? Where do you want to meet? You want to meet at this location or this location?" And I'm like, "Well, let's meet at location B. It's closer to where I'm headed towards." And my wife, it was actually my anniversary. This is crazy. Ooh, okay. On my anniversary, I'm like, "Babe, I gotta go sell a card." She's like, "What? It's our anniversary. Our daughters." with our, her grandma. She's like, what do you mean you have to sell a card? I'm like, I, I have to go sell a card. Do you want to come with me? She's like, ah, fine, I'll come with you. So we drive all the way down and she's like, why are we going here? I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, but you said he's coming from this side of town. I'm like, yeah, so? She goes, that's way further. She goes, he has to drive so much further. Why didn't you just meet him here? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And then we get there and I'm talking to the guy and he's like, yeah, that was a long drive, dude. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I'm like, sorry, man. I didn't, I didn't know, but he was a really nice guy. We, you know, we made the exchange at a parking lot of a Best Buy. Why not? Um, and uh, he, he may be a listener of the show now. I mentioned the show to him. Very nice individual. Uh, mentioned the show, and hopefully, he becomes a listener of it and shares that with his friends. And that's how the show grows, Jesse. That's how it grows. And for everybody else, clearthecash.com. 
If you guys are interested in getting some updates on what we're doing in terms of our progress, you can sign up with your email. Uh, we've talked about bi-weekly sending out some sort of email with some built-in analysis as well as the updates of where we're at. We are working on it in the background, um, but clearthecash.com. Feel free to check that out. Jesse, a couple of weeks ago, we did a fanatics topic and there were a lot of people that reached into the DMs. And when I say reached into the DMs, I mean storm the fucking castle doors, blew them open. They're like, whoa, 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 guys. The quote was, I think you guys left some meat on the bone, which is offensive on so many levels, and said there was a subject related to game-worn memorabilia that people felt like we had perhaps excluded or not added some information, Jesse. Is there something on that topic off the top of your head that you think, eh, we could have we could have added a little more to this subject? One thing that I think as collectors, investors, uh, flippers, I guess, too, um, that, I don't know, it seems like Panini almost insulted our intelligence with some of the cards that they're producing is that a lot of the patches well i mean 2020 they can't really help it because covid kind of ravaged you know the world so um a lot there weren't you know they weren't able to get a rookie event together or anything of the 2020 nfl draft picks or 2020 nba draft picks so but a lot of the rookie patch cards and rookie you know rookie rookie patch auto cards the patches on those cards aren't from anything. There are a, a decent amount of them from from 2020. I'm saying specifically, um, you you can look on read on the back of the card, and you know more often than not, it'll say the patch, the relic on the front of this card is not from any particular game, event, um, season, whatever. Um, so basically, they just kind of uh, took a jersey, cut it up, and then put it on the on the front of the card with the player's autograph. Or not, um, and what's what's interesting about the whole fanatics news is that fanatics has a very good history, and uh, uh, they do a good job of advertising and acquiring game worn memorabilia on their website already. So maybe five years from now or four years from now, we're looking at a pretty decent. Um, space where they're actually putting they're cutting up these pieces of actual game worn memorabilia so maybe game worn becomes a little bit more common um and they put it on the card when they have the license so this is i think this is a this is a very big deal i've heard mixed feelings about the whole fanatics deal altogether um just because i'm like there's a chance that it can become like a one-stop shop where they, they make f direct to consumer purchasing far more um, like readily accessible and affordable to the average, the average collector, the average Joe Schmo, whoever, um, which that can kind of, that can kind of be tough on, on card shops. And I, I've heard all these scenarios, but we don't really know what exactly is going to happen. Uh, I've even had listeners reach out to me and say, oh, you guys know like Fanatics kind of has their own slabs right now. They don't grade anything. Obviously, they don't have the license to grade anything, but they can authenticate an, an autograph on a card. Um, but that's that's a whole other discussion. But um, what I am at least excited for, because I, I, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this on previous shows, that as a kid, I didn't care what player I got. I just, patch cards were my thing. That was like, if I could have a PC outside of like, 
local Philadelphia players, patch cards were my thing. I remember one time I got like an a uh, 2006 upper deck. Uh, Nate, I don't know how well you know hockey from the mid 2000s. I got an 0607 upper deck game used Mark Parrish patch card, and that was like that was the world to me. I and uh, like I think he, I think that guy had like two or three 20 goal seasons, and that was it. Um, but that I, I'm very big on game use patches. Like to this day, I, I've bought a couple that, you know, that were event worn or something. Um, even some from 2020, I've made that mistake myself before I realized that they weren't from any, even any event and the player had nothing to do with the patch. But I think at least from a collectability standpoint, um, Fanatics has a big leg up on Panini and Tops in terms of being able to acquire game use memorabilia and actually put them on the card. I'm just hoping we can eliminate the sticker auto. Can we get rid of that? Can we get rid of that? I think with some of the people, some of the uh, big executives that are going to be working for Fanatics, they are headlined by um, some big-time collectors and former CEOs of bigger companies, namely Josh Luber from StockX. Josh is a a really good dude. Um, I've interacted with him before. He's – and I – when he was the head of StockX, I absolutely had faith in the company. I still do. Um, I think he le- he left a great footprint on that company. I don't know to what extent he's going to be working for Fanatics. I don't know if he's going to be the head honcho. I have no idea. But if he has a lot in to say in their decision making, I'm I'm feeling pretty confident that they're going to you know, like the our manufacturer our, our like card manufacturing is in good hands through Fanatics. If if he has a lot to say, so. Um, I mean, we'll see, but I'm, I'm like cautiously optimistic with the whole, with the whole move. I mean, the sticker auto, the only reason I appreciate the sticker auto is because it creates a more cost effective way to get an autograph and it differentiates the difference between like the premium option in on card versus sticker, right? We've had actually Nat Turner state publicly on his Twitter account and possibly Instagram as well that, he he had like a mini checklist of what he would like to see from Fanatics that's different from what Panini and Tops are doing right now. And number one was get rid of sticker autos. No more sticker auto. Please, God, no more sticker autos. And I think we will see far fewer sticker autos because uh, the licensing agreement um, with the NFLPA, um, the NBPA, and the MLBPA uh, is certainly going to help because the players themselves have a financial, uh, in addition, like not really obligation, but they have financial interest in the product doing well. So very likely, they're going a lot more of them are going to sign the cards themselves as opposed to just a thousand stickers. Yeah, it's just it's so, and I have some. We all have some, and they're just such a corny look in relation to the actual on card auto. I mean, they just. The on-card auto is very clearly the nicer option. So hopefully that that happens. But I think you're right. I think there's a ton of room for Fanatics to do something pretty special. And hopefully they don't fumble this. I don't think they will. I think they've got the right people in place. They're big enough. They're already with the infrastructure that could do something so significant in relation to anything that's been done up to this point. And they have the advantage of people thinking that Panini really hasn't lived up to some of their potential over time they're they're watching this conversation take place as they're going to be ushered in and they have all that uh, information and this again infrastructure that they can probably do something fairly significant so I- i'm excited for it whatever i hope that I-, I look forward to the change but yes please god get rid of the sticker auto it's 
it's a plague on the community. What's not a plague on the community is our sponsor, Underdog, guys. Download the Underdog app today and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. You'll get a $25 bonus cash for new players who deposit, of course. We are in the NFL season now as you're listening to this. Week one is all but over. It's over. It should be over. Monday night game is played. It's over. It's, it is over. Right, Jesse? Is it over? What day is this dropping? It, it, it's over. It's not over now. Uh, we've, we've played through one game as we're recording this. But, yes, it's, it's going to be over by the time you guys are listening to this. I was, while I was setting my 3,000 lineups earlier today, I realized I have a team in a super flex with only Andy Dalton as a quarterback on the roster. How long oh. till I have no starting quarterback on the roster? You should, you should host an AMA. Like immediately <laughs> after, but by the time this episode is dropped, I have no starting quarterbacks on my <laughs> roster, so it's it's really bad. I don't know what to do. Jeez. I mean, this is the classic case where you need to go out and grab yourself a Fitzpatrick, or go get one of these aged quarterbacks if you don't want to pony up for one of the younger, you know, uh, ascending players. Whether it's Hertz or Tua, which are two guys we talked about pre-show, I don't want to get into another debate about that. Um, there will be more conversations to be had, but Jesse, there was some information about PSA recently. Um, so this, the somewhat more popular news this week was PSA dropping their express level submission costs from two hundred dollars a card to one hundred and fifty dollars a card. I know it's still it's still expensive, but that's that's a big move, um, and that really goes to show how much PSA has cleared out their uh, submissions recently. Like I'm hearing people getting their subs back left and right. I just got my first sub, my first bulk sub back that I submitted in September of 2020. I got that back like a week ago. Uh, so it's 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 been a, a whole calendar year that those cards have been sitting there. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it, it certainly helps people who are looking to make a quick flip on something that is, um, that, like, especially a newer car that's fairly affordable raw. And then all of a sudden, if it gems, you're looking at a 3, 4x, 5x return on investment. Um, so this only helps their margins, honestly. And I don't think, like, if, if PSA is, I mean, they're grading a shit, t- they're grading thousand, like, five, five, five figure amount of cards like five digit number of cards per day um but it's it seems like with the 200 dollars express level submission um they it hasn't significantly overwhelmed them with how many cards that they are still being able to get out right now and they even dropped their price even more so i think i think they're confident in their ability to be able to handle this and um i i don't even think the uh I don't know. I, I just can't see them getting overwhelmed from this. So I thought it was a good move from PSA that, that they were able to do this. And Nat was you know transparent enough to um, to make a change like this and, and, and announce it and you know establish confidence in, in PSA to be able to to um, you know be able to grade more cards at this slightly cheaper service level. But what other what people aren't talking about right now, which I'm shocked by, it's I mean it is it's, to some degree it is speculation, but I, I trust what Nat is saying. Maybe like three three weeks ago or so, Nat Turner came on Ken Golden's Instagram live, and Ken Golden asked him about you know opening up bulk service grading levels again because you know the you can submit as many cards as you want express, but more often than not, people aren't going to submit more than a handful of cards just because $150 per card is a shit ton of money. Um, 
And Nat Turner said, yes, uh, we want uh, – he almost made it like a guarantee, if he didn't say the word guarantee, that PSA is going to be opening up, back up bulk grading um, submissions in 2021. And then Ken Golden goes, Nat, there's only four months left in the year. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware of that. So, so it sounds, I mean, it, that's, that's great for me personally. I haven't, I personally haven't submitted to any other company, even BGS or SGC. I haven't submitted to anybody else. I've only submitted to PSA. Um, and I've been waiting for this to happen and I'm not, I'm not going to submit my fucking LaMelo ball base Donruss. I'm going to like, I'm submitting big cards for my PC. Like I, I think for me, for me personally, I've, especially from what came back from this last submission, I am far more selective in what I'm going to grade. There are even cards in my PC that I'm not going to grade because I don't think they're going to grade very well. And I'm, I'm okay with keeping them in, in a one touch. Um, but there are, there are cards that I feel would look better in a PSA holder, even if they get a nine or an eight, whatever. Um, but I think this is a really big deal and I've been waiting for this for quite a while. Um, I think, uh, getting this last submission back has opened my eyes into like what type of stuff I was submitting in 2020 as opposed to 2021. But um, I honestly can't freaking wait. And just a PSA to all of our listeners, be selective with what you uh, want to grade. Cause we certainly don't, it, it's, it kind of already is, but we don't want to worsen the junk slab area. Super confusing when you refer to a PSA while speaking about PSA. PSA. Might, might need PSA to, about PSA. Right. We should work on that. So, <laughs> It's interesting because you brought up Ken Goldman. It made me think, I have not submitted my Derek Jeter SB rookie yet. Should have done it a long time ago. Jeter just goes into the Hall of Fame just recently, right? So that conversation takes place. But Ken Golden did did a live video a couple of days ago where he was opening packs. Did you see him opening packs of, uh, of the Upper Deck SB 1993? I haven't, no. I, I, I know he... He breaks with his son, which is awesome to see. And he also, I think he, I don't know if it's on his platform or if it's on Barstool's Instagram channel or something. He breaks like once a month with Barstool Sports. This guy just casually opens four or five packs and pulls two Jeter SP rookies out. Okay. I I didn't see this, but I think, I think I saw snippets in a story or something like that. Okay. And you can see him. He's like, he's like, look, he's like, look at this. He just pulls it out. He's like. He's like, this sold for $400,000 in auction just a couple of days ago. And he's pulling one out and he's, he's like, just, you know, elated. He's putting it in the sleeve, you know, top loader. And he opens another pack and then he's like, oh my God, look at this. Look at that. Like, like Ken Golden, does he need more? Does he need, like, does he need to keep like getting more and more good shit like this? I mean, he's obviously at the forefront of the hobby, but when you see Ken Golden opening packs, getting Jeter rookies, you're like, oh my God. That dude is, he is filthy rich too. Like I've. Um, I mean, he's like the godfather of the hobby. There is no question about it. Um, but he, he said, yeah, there's one day I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a live an Instagram live and I'm going to, I'm just going to show you guys my basement. And he's like, I'm not going to do it now. Cause my wife thinks people are going to come to our house and try to rob the shit out of us or kill us. Um, it, it like if he's, and we'll see, yeah, we'll see him post like, He'll ha- he'll have like half a million dollar cards, whatever. I mostly through his auction house, but I can't imagine what the hell is in his basement. No, I mean a lot of things could be in his basement. It might not just be I'd, cards that his wife doesn't want him true. to go down there and 
take video of, right? I mean, who, know, who knows <laughs> what an older people. married couple <laughs> does in the basement, Jesse? <laughs> That's very true. So, very true. nice, nice. Yeah, let's not speculate. So, anyways, Jesse, I, I actually, you know what? Let's speculate. I have a question for you. If you had to go back in your mind, and this is a perception versus reality conversation, if you had to go into your mind, you close your eyes. Everybody who's who's listening to the episode, of course, if you're driving, as I say a million times, don't partake in this. Close your eyes. Think about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, fantasy football legend of late, right? One of the best options. Number one receiver you can probably target in fantasy football. Led the league last year, 25.6 fantasy points per game. Number one at the position. Amazing season. If you had to guess how many seasons in Devontae Adams' career he had surpassed 1,000 yards, how many would you guess? And before you guess that, would you say that in most people's eyes, Devontae Adams is a Hall of Fame potential player at this point in his career? I would say yes to the second question. And to the first question, my guess would be four. What if I told you to this point, in Devontae Adams' career, he has two seasons over 1,000 yards. In his entire career, two seasons over 1,000 yards, which leads me to the question, if Devontae Adams is ascending towards the Hall of Fame receiver direction, is that mostly based on touchdowns? I think he's probably one of the better red zone threats at wide receiver that we've seen in the last five to maybe ten years. Um so it, I, I, yeah, I think, I think touchdowns have a lot to do with his trajectory towards making the Hall of Fame at some, at you know, at some point. Um, it's certainly not yardage at this point. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen him have like sub 900, 950 yard seasons with like 14 touchdowns. Yes. Yes, he he has again. Now let's put some context to this. He has two seasons that are each over 1,300 yards. Impressive seasons by a wide receiver in this league, uh, especially considering that one of them was in 14 games last year. But he also has two seasons that he missed 1,000 yards by three receiving yards. So 997 yards twice, right? If we're going to give him credit for that, we should probably do the same thing for A.J. Green when he missed the streak of continuing his 1,000-yard seasons, right? Let's be fair. When you think about the fact that he has four seasons in his career thus far where he's had double-digit touchdowns, it's crazy to reflect that Julio Jones has one. Julio Jones did that one time. So for us, the world we live in, because we're fantasy football players, is Devontae Adams getting more buzz because he's such an incredible fantasy asset the way that DeAndre Hopkins has been for multiple years? Certainly. Um, I don't think he's... Uh, the, the I, from a hobby perspective, I don't think he's the flashiest player. Uh, he's certainly not the most controversial, and um, controversy can either bring you up or down in the hobby. But I think being tethered to Aaron Rodgers and with how different his career looks now compared to how it was looking going into year two of his NFL career when he was really up in the air and after people had high hopes going into his rookie year, um. It's it's certainly it's certainly looking different for for the better. So fantasy, this is this is a case where fantasy relevance will um, translate into into the card world as well. 
So here's the question then. Devontae Adams was being routinely selected for using underdog information as the wide receiver won the sixth pick of the first round. You know who was being picked three rounds later as the wide receiver 13, Jesse? Tell me, Nate. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was being selected three full rounds later. And I question... Why Amari Cooper is continuously so demissed as I've already laid out the Devontae Adams case. Listeners, do you know that if we exclude, and I'm not even saying remove it, but if we illuminate that 2017 in Oakland was a fucked up year for Amari Cooper, if that season had gone the direction of 1,000 yards, Amari Cooper would have seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons in his career. And when you compare him to Devontae Adams, a player that was drafted a year prior to Cooper, the numbers are very, very, very close. The number that differentiates the most is, of course, touchdowns. That's been a huge thing for Devontae Adams of late. But Amari Cooper, on nearly 100 less targets, has receiving yards that are almost neck and neck at this point in their career. And as we talked about, Jesse, what is stopping Amari Cooper in a 17-game season from posting 1,500, 1,600 yards this year at 27 years old and becoming sort of the next Michael Irvin face of this franchise? Because I know people say they want it to be CeeDee Lamb, but why wouldn't it be Amari Cooper? I think Dak is far more than capable of sustain of sustaining and producing two wide receiver ones on his own roster. I think it's I think he's far more than capable where we see top top 10 top 10 wide receiver seasons from both of them. Um it's especially with the 17th game added this year, I don't like 15 1500 yards is not out of the question really for any wide receiver one or two in a good situation this year. And what better situation can you ask for than being a wide receiver on the Cowboys offense right now? Prime ba- named Cooper or or Lamb. Um, but it seems like in terms of, of card prices, it's not really being reflected for somebody like Cooper. Look, I know Dak Prescott can do it. Ben Roethlisberger has done it, but Roethlisberger had immense volume. Kirk Cousins has done it twice. He's had two top 10 wide receivers twice. So if Kirk Cousins can do it, Dak Prescott, a guy that was averaging nearly 40 pass attempts a game last year, he had, guys, he had 58 pass attempts in week one. He had 58 pass attempts in week one. Russell Wilson had 558 pass attempts in 2020. (laughs) He had 58 pass attempts in week one. What are we talking about right now? Like, and Amari Cooper puts up a week one that by most receiver standards, and guys, I don't know if you checked the box score yet, Also, I hope to God you didn't face the stack of Dak and Amari Cooper in week one because it's over now. But Amari Cooper, 13 catches, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. Number one, that's probably going to be the best week, uh, the best, you know, week one score for a receiver this week. I'm assuming that that's going to be short of somebody putting up a 200-yard game. Like, you're not going to beat 13-139-2. That's not happening. That is like a monster way to open the season. But I question why Amari Cooper is so suppressed. You go and look at his cars on eBay. Ethan Motts, one of the guys that's launching Clear the Cash with us, he just bought an amazing Amari Cooper card at a price that shocked me. He compared it to a Brian Edwards gold of the same price or, you know, of the same value. And it was hundreds of dollars cheaper. 
And again, guys, when we think about Dallas, if Dallas really is America's team, if we believe that Dallas is still the, the most valuable team in the NFL, this will be a playoff contending team. I mean, they had a, a tough first game of the year, obviously, playing the defending champions. If we believe that to be the case, then why wouldn't Amari Cooper at some point possibly become the face, if not one of the faces, this massive tandem of CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper? We've seen duos of wide receivers you know, shine in the NFL before. And why wouldn't it be Amari Cooper? And again, he's 27 years old. He's 27. Like he's the, he's one of the most nuanced wide receivers in the game, all preseason through training camp. We watched him running these routes and defensive backs were just left in the dust. Here we go. We open week one, 16 targets and the guy just shreds. So Jesse, I guess my question would be if Devonte Adams has a trajectory of a Hall of Fame wide receiver, then does Amari Cooper as well? In terms of, of yardage and what he's done in such a short amount of time, Amari Cooper is looking pretty damn good right now. Um, we're talking about Mike Evans essentially being just about a surefire Hall of Famer right now just because of his yardage streak, his 1,000-yard yard, uh, yardage streak since his inception in the league, since, since, he, since he came out of the draft. Um, if we're talking about Mike Evans, I don't think Amari Cooper is that far behind. And and trust me, I think Evans still has a bit of a bit of a ways to go before we're talking about like surefire Hall of Fame. But I I think he'll make it. I think it'll happen one day. Um, but I don't think Cooper is that necessarily that far behind from him from what he's because of what he's accomplished so far outside of one shit season with was was Gruden the coach that year and that what his third season as a Raider. And they were they were kind of buttonheads. Uh, that is 2017, and that's Jack Del Rio. But they were still they were still terrible. I mean, it was it was a terrible team. It was a terrible year. Uh, and look, this is the, look. We are we're just saying this in advance. Everybody has loved owning Amari Cooper in fantasy football. That he's already been a proven producer. Played in Oakland was dominant there as a young player, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons to open his career. Basically put together 1,000 yards every year since then with the exception of one year that the wheels fell off. And everybody thought that Amari Cooper was had lost it. I don't know what it was. It was completely... It was completely inaccurate. The guy coming out of Alabama was a stud. We knew he was going to be you know, a borderline you know, generational skill set as he entered the league from athleticism to production to age-adjusted. Whatever metric you want to use, he was great. That bar was full. So at 27 in Dallas, and I want to point out that he's almost two years younger than Devontae Adams. Amari Cooper, 27.2, looking at playerprofiler.com. Devontae Adams, 28.7. So at least a year and a half, if not more. And when we talk about the age apex, and we always compared guys like Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, whose whose career was going to go longer. I think the belief for a long time was that it was going to be Antonio Brown just because of the nuanced skill set, the way that he played Julio, a little more explosive, some of these injuries along the way. I think Julio's career is going to continue. Tennessee was an interesting location to drop into. But Amari Cooper is ultra nuanced. Him and Devontae Adams are very similar in a lot of ways with Amari Cooper being a very premier athlete. And at 27 years old, I feel like we're looking into the crystal ball going, hey guys, if we fast forward four years from now when he's 31, still, you know, a a year where guys have had proven production, elite players that have, have had proven production, four more years of this, 
We could see a guy that's well over 10,000 receiving yards. And as you and I talked about off show, pretty much the threshold for a Hall of Fame receiver is about 11,500 yards, Jesse. So all he needs right now is about 5,000 yards to get there. And if he was to put together 1,200 yards four more times, we're there, Jesse. It's very possible. Um, and what's what's crazy about, like you mentioned his age, he's still young. He still has a decent amount of his prime. And I think I think he has a skill set that will – he'll make a smooth transition in his 30s. Like he, he can still play for years to come. He's going into his seventh NFL season, at, and he just turned 27 a couple months ago. So we still have a decent amount of time for – Cooper to really show to really show what he's all about and I don't I don't know he just has he just has that skill set that can I, I think he can get over like an age 31 like a age 31 season hump that we see with a lot of other receivers yeah I think we, when you consider it and you look at a guy like okay dude here's the question He's in Dallas. He is one of the faces of Dallas. This is a Dallas team that's going to throw the ball quite a bit. We believe that we saw it last year. We think it's going to happen this year. Michael Irvin, 11,900 yards in his career, Jesse. Are you going to take the over or the under on Amari Cooper passing Michael Irvin by the end of his career in Dallas? I could definitely see it being the over. I don't even think it's that hot of a take. Not at all. I don't think so either because if he hits 1,600 yards this year, fifth, let's say 1,500 conservatively, again, 17-game season, we have to factor that in. If he hits 1,500 yards this year, he'll be just under 8,000 yards already. Entering an age 28 season next year. Like, he, he was... Michael Irvin's already in the Hall of Fame. He's going to blow by him. I think, really, we're going to start to get into more of a Chris Carter-level of production towards the end. I think we're going to look at like 13,000, 14,000 potential yards if he plays beyond 30, 31, because we're capping it at 31. There's nothing saying this guy won't play till 33. And I think he could be a shoe in at that point once he gets to that level. So in terms of fantasy, tons of value. In terms of cards, think about the way that you picture Devontae Adams versus him, and you'll get a pretty good justification of where his value is in the card market, Jesse. So I think we're delivering it ahead of time here saying, look, there's going to be a duo in Dallas that's going to be talked about across the league. Dallas is still the face of football in the NFL by many regards. All these players are likable. And when we look back five, six years from now, don't be surprised if Amari Cooper has blown has absolutely blown by Michael Irvin and is a definite shoe-in for the Hall of Fame, and you could have got his cards for pennies on the dollar. We're talking about Prism's rookie Prism Silvers, Gem Mint, 9.0 BGS 9.5, PSA 10, in the $100 range. We're talking, we're talking $100. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy to me, and he just opened up the year with an absolute smack. I mean, he's... He's already getting, you know, he's already most of the way to 1,000 yards. I mean, he put up essentially, like, I think that might have been, I got to go look at Nikhil Harry's career totals. Is he already blown by Nikhil Harry for his career in uh, one game? Are we there? <laughs> potentially, potentially. New England yeah. great Nikhil Harry, did he blow by him? So I think that I think that this is one of the plays for listeners. If you've got some money to spend, like Jesse said, there are some impressively 
nice, well-graded cards that are out there. Low pop, too, because 2015, Panini didn't didn't produce the shit out of anything. They it was very it was, they were very tame with their production. Cards didn't pick up quite as much then. So you can find, I don't know how you feel about the pr Prism base market, but at least Prism Silvers, they're far more than affordable for Amari Cooper. There's even Prism Golds if you're, you know, if you're a bit of more of a big spender. Anything shiny right now is hot, but... Um, in terms of looking at his prices compared to other other goats, uh, other I shouldn't say goats, other great modern wide receiver prism gold rookie cards, his prices are very affordable. I love it. I I think people should certainly chase the Amari Cooper cards at this point in time because none of us should be surprised when he posts a top ten fantasy season potentially. And along with C.D. Lamb, I like the call. I think it's totally possible. So guys, if you're interested in getting your hands in on Amari Cooper. Now is the time to do it. Go to eBay, search his name, look at some of these options. And in the future, like the show title says, you can use those to clear the cash. We'll be back next week.